Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. The Eagles are at the podium, and we've got you covered right here at Bleeding Green Nation and SB Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness, and you can also follow us at BGN Radio at BGN underscore radio. Coming up in a few minutes, we're going to hear from Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz and their post-game news conferences from Sunday following the 38-20 loss to the Vikings in Minnesota. And then again from Doug Peterson in his day-after news conference where you get a little bit more detail about how some of the injured Eagles are doing. Some potentially good news in the mix. We'll get to that here in just a second. But a couple quick things uh, from the game on Sunday and uh some developments from the day after here on Monday. Uh, One of the things you won't hear is Doug's interview on the WIP morning show on Monday morning in which he guaranteed a win over the Cowboys this Sunday night in Dallas. He said, I know the sky is falling outside. It's falling and I get that. And the fans are reeling just a little bit, but we're going down to Dallas and our guys are going to be ready to play. And we're going to win that football game. And when we do, we're in first place in the NFC East. We control our own destiny. We're right where we need to be. Has it been perfect or beautiful or all of that? No, but all we've got to do is try to be 1-0 this week, beat the Dallas Cowboys, and we're in first place. And listen, they're reeling too. They're struggling too. They've dropped their last three games, so this will be an exciting football game. And I understand what Doug is doing here. I mean, after you lose 38 to 20 to the Vikings and I can, you know, I could go over all of the same things that you've heard everybody else talking about for the last 24 hours, how terrible the cornerbacks played, how really terribly the whole defense played a lot of blown coverages on some of those long touchdowns where just they're scheming up to stop the run and letting 50 yard touchdowns go down the field with cornerbacks expecting help, not getting help and cornerbacks just not athletic enough, not fast enough, not talented enough to to hang with wide receivers like Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. And that was the main reason I picked the Vikings to beat the Eagles on Sunday. I was the only person on the Bleeding Green Nation staff to pick the Vikings over the Eagles because I didn't look at the Dalvin Cook matchup as a matchup to worry about. I knew the Eagles were going to do what they needed to do to stop Dalvin Cook. Those wide receivers on our defensive backs, on our cornerbacks, that's a mismatch all day long. And I'm sorry, Kirk Cousins, when he plays the Eagles, wins. He plays well. He has a 104 career passer rating against Philadelphia Eagles counting Sunday's game. He always gives the Eagles a hard time. So I know a lot of people like to rip on Kirk Cousins, and I understand. He usually comes up small in big games against good teams, but not when it comes to the Eagles. He, With the exception of 2017, he always comes up with a good game against Philadelphia. And so that was my big worry about the game on Sunday was how are this how is this Eagles defense going to handle Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs? And we saw that they couldn't that they didn't. And so that's one of the worries about going into this Sunday's game against Dallas is, of course, Amari Cooper and Randall Cobb, but those guys are banged up. Uh, Amari Cooper suffered a, a, a hip bruise in the game on Sunday. Uh, game, I can't believe they lost to the Jets. I mean, my, my goodness. I, it's, 
it's I mean Sam Darnold was quarterback. They didn't have to they didn't have to um they didn't get to play Luke Falk, but I mean Sam Darnold is a good young football player, but my you can't lose that football game. So as bad as the Eagles played, at least they lost to a good opponent. And another and you know in in Minnesota, which is a a tough place to play when you're not playing the Patriots in the Super Bowl, I guess. So that's the situation that the Eagles were are, are facing on Sunday is hopefully they won't have to face Amari Cooper. And maybe that's why Doug is feeling a little bit good here, because he's right. The Cowboys are in just as much trouble as the Eagles. Uh, Doug Peterson feeling very confident about the game on Sunday night. Um, matter of fact, Angelo Catali said to him, you sound very confident about Sunday, Doug. And uh, Doug Peterson said, I have to be. I am. I see when I watch the tape, I put the tape on and I, and I go, OK, there are coachable moments. There are teachable moments on the tape that we can get better at as an offense and as a defense. I'm also optimistic that some of our injured players in the secondary will make a return this week, and we'll see. But I've got to stay positive, not only for myself, but for the guys in the locker room. Eagles made a little news by cutting linebacker Zach Brown. Uh, You remember Brown is the guy who, uh, well, he opened his big trap uh, before the game on Sunday, criticizing Kirk Cousins when he said, quote, Cousins, I think every defense is going to want that guy to throw the ball. For me, that's probably the weakest part of their offense is him. Everything else is good. They've got a good running game, probably one of the best in the league. They have real good receivers. You just want them to pass the ball. You want Kirk Cousins to get it in his hands. And then Cousins went out to complete 76% of his passes for 333 yards. That's an 11.5-yard average, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, a 138.4 passer rating, and the Vikings win over the Eagles. I mean, that's just the kind of crap that they used to do in Washington. They used to open their mouths like that. They used, you know, they that's the kind of culture that they have in D.C. And that's where Zach Brown's coming from, where you open your mouth and you say something stupid like that. That's not something you typically hear out of the Eagles locker room. Even when Michael Bennett came to Philadelphia, you didn't hear nonsense like that. That kind of stuff just doesn't fly. And, you know, I'm sure part of the reason why Zach Brown was cut by the Eagles is because he hadn't been playing well, but a lot of it is this kind of nonsense. I think BLG referred to him as Zach Clown. I mean, it was a clown thing to say. Don't give another guy bulletin board material. And listen, Kirk Cousins probably does this whether Zach Brown opens his mouth or not. But just shut up. And now they don't have to worry about it. Now the Eagles don't have to worry about it. Cut from the Eagles. Uh, so he's gone. Uh, Brown, after the game, was a little annoyed when he was asked about his comments by reporters. Well, apparently the team was even more annoyed than he was. He gone. And for what it's worth, Brown ranks 60th out of 88 linebackers graded by Pro Football Focus this season. So again, not making an impact. Not making an impact. Although I will say it does leave the Eagles linebacker room a little bit thin. Right now, the Eagles' healthy linebackers include Nathan Gary, Kamu Grugier-Hill, TJ Edwards, and Duke Riley. Now, Gary and Grugier-Hill are the only ones who have experience playing in the Eagles' defense. Edwards is, remember, the undrafted rookie free agent that they signed just after the draft, and Riley was acquired via a trade a couple of weeks ago. Now, the Eagles don't play a lot of heavy linebacker sets. So, you know, Nate Gary and Grugier-Hill... That's not a great combination, man. I mean, Nate Gary's made a couple plays here and there, but he's not hes not a terribly good linebacker. And Grugier Hill's been kind of invisible. Not in, and Eagles linebackers typically don't make a lot of big plays. Nate Gary had the interception return for a touchdown a couple of weeks ago, but Eagles linebackers typically are pretty invisible. They don't, you, you never hear from them. They don't make plays. They're not big playmakers. They're not big, uh, they don't uh, accumulate a ton of tackles out there on the field. So 
I, I don't know exactly what this means. I thought the Eagles went out uh, this offseason and they got a lot of linebacker depth. I, I really I really thought they did a good job kind of getting some some extra pieces in there. But, you know, Brown is now the second veteran linebacker to be cut by the Eagles since the start of the season. The Eagles already cut LJ Fort. And they gave it they gave nearly two million dollars in guaranteed money to him in the offseason. But Fort is gone. Um, now, listen, they're going to get back a 2024th round compensatory pick by cutting Fort. So in that way, the move makes a lot of sense. And I'm, I'm glad they did that. I thought the signing of LJ Fort was an interesting one. He seemed like an up and coming player, a guy who, given the right opportunity, could be a playmaker, but didn't turn out to be that guy in the slightest. And so the Eagles are going to get a fourth round pick for cutting him. But now with cutting Fort and with cutting Brown, who the Eagles gave $3 million to, you're looking at two big free agent flops at the linebacker position, and you're looking at a linebacker room that's that's light on talent, very light on talent. I think Gruje Hill's a decent player. We'll get to see more of Edwards here, I think, over the next few weeks, and we'll see whether or not this kid has something. I think most people thought that he was one of the more talented undrafted free agents out there just after the draft, but there's a reason he was undrafted. I mean, if you're a pedigreed player most of the time you're going to get drafted we've seen undrafted free agents do really good things Corey Clement a couple of years ago obviously was one of those guys but yeah this is this is kind of shaky now the, the linebacker room is is obviously not the room where you have the most concern there are certainly other areas of concern on this team before linebackers but I want to take a quick look with with them getting rid of Brown and getting rid of LJ Fort which of Howie Roseman's moves this offseason have worked out. We, we we praised Howie Roseman for a lot of the moves he made this offseason, a lot of the free agent signings and the trades that were made. What has worked out so far? Now, granted, we're just six weeks into the season. There is still 10 more weeks. There's still 10 more games in front of us, hopefully more. And a lot of this could shake out differently over the last 10 weeks of the season. But so far here in 2019, almost none of the moves that Howie Roseman made this offseason are working out. They signed Brandon Graham to a three-year contract. He has four sacks in six games this season. Not bad, but four, those four sacks have come in the last two games. Three in the game against the Jets, and he had one against the Vikings on Sunday. But for the most part, the Eagles' defensive line was absent. Brandon Graham did have a good game, though, on Sunday. So I don't think you can say that the Brandon Graham signing was necessarily a bad signing. Was it as impactful as signing somebody else? Maybe not. But I'm not going to chalk. I'm not going to chalk up the Brandon Graham signing after a rough first four weeks. So his first four weeks of the season, he was getting a lot of pressures. He was doing well against the run, but he wasn't getting to the quarterback. He wasn't getting sacks. He's managed to tally some sacks here over the last few weeks, but he can't do it all himself. He's getting no help from Derek Barnett on the other side of the field, with the exception of passing or uh, with, with the exception of uh, 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 personal foul calls. Uh, he's not getting any help from Fletcher Cox in the middle. He's not getting any help from anybody else on the defensive line. So uh, this is a problem. It can't be all Brandon Graham. Uh, so Graham, four sacks on the season through six games. Again, I think we'll see more as the season goes along whether or not the Graham signing was a wise move. But so far, I think you'd have to say it was a good move by Howie Roseman to re-sign him. Malik Jackson, I like the signing. It hasn't worked out. Guy get, got injured in the first game of the season. He's a guy who has gotten injured in the past. He's played one game this year. That's obviously a move that's not going to help for 2019. The trade for Deshaun Jackson. I love the trade for Deshaun Jackson. When Deshaun Jackson's on the field, he's the most important eagle we're seeing. He is the most important eagle, not named Carson Wentz. But he's only played one game so far. 
Now, they're hoping they get him back in time for Dallas. John Clark from NBC Sports Philadelphia indicated that Deshaun Jackson is feeling better this week. And they're hoping if they, he doesn't have any setbacks in practice this week, he'll be able to go on Sunday night. That's the goal. It would be amazing to have him back for Sunday night against Dallas. But, man, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, holding, I'm, I'm not holding out too much hope for that. You know, I mean, this is, a, this is an older player who is injury prone, and this is kind of the thing we knew could happen with Deshaun Jackson, that he could get hurt. And he didn't really get hurt on the field. It was something that happened in, in, in a pregame. I mean, you know, it's, does he have a sport? They say he doesn't have a sports hernia, but this thing is taking forever to heal. So the jury very much still out on the Deshaun Jackson trade, a trade I loved. I love that deal. I'm really hoping it works out. We've got, he's got 10 weeks to get back on the field and play well. LJ Fort to a three-year deal. He's already been cut. Brutal signing. Ronald Darby signed a one-year deal. He's been hurt most of the season, and when he's been on the field, he has not been right. He has been hurt. You can tell he has not been as athletic as we have seen him be in the past, and you know they're hoping to get him back this week as well. But Ronald Darby, when he's been on the field this year, has not been very good. Anderson Deho has been adequate, but nothing special. And if they don't cut him, they don't get the compensatory pick that they would have if they if they were to if they were to let him go. Sandejo has had more of an impact hurting his own teammates than he has on the field. The interception against the Vikings aside, the lucky interception that bounced off Stefan Diggs' face mask. Vinny Curry signed a one-year deal. Have we said his name out loud this year? Tight end Richard Rodgers to a two-year deal. He's on IR. The Jordan Howard trade was a good one. That deal has worked out so far. He's been a very good running back for the Eagles. He's been their best runner. That's a deal that looks like it's going to be a good one. Give Howie credit for that one. But the Tim Jernigan deal, a one-year deal, he's hurt again. And then, of course, the Zach Brown signing. So you're looking at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 moves by, 11 big moves by Howie Roseman this offseason. And I think right now the only ones that you can't I think right now the ones that you can absolutely say have not been good signings are the Malik Jackson. I think at this moment, the Deshaun Jackson trade has not been a good signing, has not been a good uh, not signing, it has not been a good move because he hasn't been on the field. And again, that could change. I'm saying as of right now through six weeks, Malik Jackson, Deshaun Jackson, LJ Fort, of course, Ronald Darby, Anderson Deho, Vinnie Curry, Richard Rogers. Tim Jernigan, Zach Brown, that's nine of the 11 moves have not panned out so far. And we'll see whether or not Howie Roseman has any more moves up his sleeves. He's got to go out and get a cornerback, whether it's Jalen Ramsey or not. They've got to go out and get a cornerback. And it wasn't all on the cornerbacks here. There were some defensive breakdowns in the game on Sunday, but this is obviously the big area on this team. Last week, I wrote a piece saying I thought the Eagles needed to prioritize a wide receiver on the trade market. I'm going to punt that now because it's obvious this team needs a cornerback, whether it's Chris Harris from Denver, Patrick Peterson from Arizona. They, they got to get somebody. The other, the other thing I'll mention before we, get to, before we get to the podium here, the offensive line has to play better offensively. We, we, obviously, the wide receivers have to, have to produce, but you won't, you, Ortega Whiteside can't see the field. For, for a second-round pick, that's just criminal right now. I mean, Miles Sanders is seeing a ton of playing time as a second-round pick. Ortega Whiteside... I can't understand why he is so underdeveloped that he can't get on the field and at least go after those 50-50 balls that they keep throwing to Mac Hollins and Nelson Aguilar for some reason. Just throw those to JJ, and maybe he comes down with one or two of those. But he's got to get on the field as a second-round pick. He's got to get on the field. Enough with Mac Hollins. Enough with the Mac Hollins experiment. Stop throwing deep. I know why you're trying to throw deep to Nelson Aguilar. He can't do it. He can't do it. 
So the offensive line has to play perfectly. They have to play like they did in Green Bay in order for this offense to be successful. Because otherwise, they're not, they, not going to be able to run the ball. They're not going to give Carson Wentz enough time. Wentz has not had a clean pocket. With the exception of the game in Green Bay, Wentz this weekend in in, in Minnesota was under pressure the whole game. Wentz played an amazing game. Wentz played an amazing... Look at the tape. Wentz played an amazing game on Sunday. And I know people are talking about this is his most important game ever. He might play just as well on Sunday night and have a similar outcome because he doesn't have guys around him helping him. So we're going to head to the podium here in just a few minutes. We're going to hear from Carson. But first, we're going to hear from Doug Peterson. Then we'll hear from Carson in his uh, with their uh, post-game comments. We'll take a quick break after that. And then we'll hear more from Doug Peterson in his day-after news conference from Monday. Yeah, disappointed, you know, that we didn't do a better job there. Um, disappointed in a lot of things. But uh, we just got to gotta look at this tape. We got to be critical of each other, critical of myself. And, uh, and we got we to fix, uh, fix what's wrong. Uh, yeah, until I really look, look at the tape, uh, it's hard to say at this point. I got to talk to Jim and, and see what we were, you know, coverage-wise, what we were in, and, and if there was a breakdown. But uh, uh, until I look at the tape, I, I really can't answer that. Yeah, no, that's uh, it's credit to those guys in the locker room, you know. But uh, flip side of that, we can't be down twenty-four to three. Um, we got to start the game a little faster. We got to be better. Um, we we were a little sloppy. Had some mistakes early that kept some drives going offensively. Um, and we just got to you know, as a staff and really as players, we got to evaluate it and, and and get it corrected. Well, one uh, you know there was some injury, uh, you know, but you know again I'm not going to use that as an excuse. The guys have to play, you know, and. Um, you know, we just we just gotta we gotta look at the tape. We gotta be critical of of ourselves as coaches first, uh, and then make the mis- make the corrections during the week uh, with the players. Yeah, we had the we had the look we wanted. Um, try to take advantage of it, get a little bit closer, an opportunity to maybe shoot it in the end zone after that. Um, made a great play. That would have been the idea. Yes, complete the pass. Right, we were going to get out of bounds. The play was designed to hit Dallas and get out of bounds. We're in the short side of the field. Minnesota ran a lot of gadgets today, a lot of reverses. Did they take you by surprise at all? No, I mean that's that's kind of who they are. Um, we understand their personnel, and and uh, you know I thought, kind of looking back now, just you know they had a good game plan. You know, kind of misdirection, um, utilizing their receivers that way. Um, but uh, yeah, we've got to you know we've we've got to be ready for all that. Yeah, you know, I just commented on that. Until we look at the tape, I, I, it's hard to answer. Yeah, I, I think I think there's some similarities. I think we can draw from you know some conclusions from that. But you know, different season, different team. Um, you know, we still got a lot of season ahead of us, ten games, and and um, you know, it's it's where we are right now. Uh, we got to get got to get guys healthy, as we know, um, and uh, got to get everybody got to get everybody kind of. Uh, you know, focused in on on you know winning the next game, winning, going one to zero, and um, you know I think that's something that our team does best is is rallying around each other and picking each other up and, and moving forward. We all have to uh, you know take accountability. 
myself included. You know, we're all we're all in this together, and and um, it's an ownership, and and you know, it starts with me. And I got I got to look at myself in the mirror, and, and am I doing everything I can to help this football team win? Uh, through you know decisions during the game or during the week or how we practice or whatever it might be, um, but we all have to do that and um, you know hold each other accountable and, and move forward. Not the first quarter, it just seems like except for last week, it's been just huge barrier to, to every game that. I don't have a crystal ball, um, if that's what you're asking, but uh, we've got definitely got to do a better job there. Um, got to evaluate it, and um, you know, it 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 just comes down to just understanding we got to we we have to start the game better, um, you know, uh, and and uh, we'll take a look at that this week. Obviously, Deshaun has been rolling. We had some opportunity today um, to get down the field. The ball was was you know, uh, we stretched the field a little bit a few times, so. You know, we get creative with it, um, with with moving some guys around. Uh, obviously, Deshaun helps that um, when he's out there. So, uh, you know, but um, that's, that's something that we got to continue to, you know, work work with and work through and and, and find ways to to be creative that way. Miles Sanders was very effective in the passing game. Talk about splitting him out and getting him. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been doing really well in the passing game. You know, he's been. Uh, uh, making some plays down the field, the touchdown catch was was big. Um, you know, he just he just seems like each week there's a there's a chunk play with him. You know, in the passing game, so something we'll keep looking at. First play of the game was actually a, a down the field pass. It's a shot play, uh, but based on coverage, uh, we killed the play, uh, which is what we're supposed to do. Um, and then and then on the third down play, we had a mental assignment up front on third and short and uh, kept us off the field. I guess, but you only got 46 guys. I don't know who else is going to play if I start kicking guys off the field. I, I, I mean, yeah, we got we got to look at it, obviously, and we got to coach it up, and we got to show them and, and, and teach them, and the guys have to – um, understand that you know this is you know this is something that uh, you know is being called more and more. Um, but yeah, you're right. We gotta you know we have to eliminate those penalties, those mistakes. Those are those are hard to hard to overcome. You know um, whether it's on offense or defense. Um, but we'll take a look at them and you know keep keep coaching our guys. I thought he did some really good things. Um, you know he he. We gave him again each week, like we do with with run pass or pass run checks. He did a nice job there in the game. You know, obviously at the end of the game, which is something we're trying to trying to get chunk plays, and and you know that's going to happen from time to time. But uh, you know, I thought overall um, he played tough again. You know, in the pocket, uh, made some made some tough throws down the field. Um, so again, I thought thought he played overall. Thought he played good. Okay. Offensively, you know, the slow start. Um, it's a good defense, tough place to play. Getting down early makes it tough. So, um, you know, a lot of things we gotta we gotta come out and execute better. We gotta stay on the field, maintain drives, and um, you know that's that's a good team. They beat us today, but uh, it's on to the next. But after the slow start, you guys really bounce back hard. Talk about staying. Yeah, I mean, it, there's 
that's, that's football. You know, it's football. It's a slow start, and, you know, we're down, and we got to make some plays, and we, we do, but we just didn't make enough. You know, offensively, we didn't make enough. Uh, like I said, we got to stay on the field better. we got to put ourselves in better situations and uh, just execute at a higher level. How difficult is it when you guys do fall Yeah, we don't, you know, look at it like that um, necessarily. We just try and stay the course. You know, early in the ball game, a lot of time left. Uh, you, you try to avoid putting pressure on yourselves and just, um, like I said, stay the course and, and keep playing, playing offense. And coach keep calling it, you know, the same way. And um, you know, I thought we did a decent job of that, but just, you know, it wasn't good enough today. Carson, what was your Uh, I wasn't on the sideline. I mean, I was standing there uh, waiting for coach to just tell us what was going on. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't involved in that. But in that situation, you- I mean, hey, coach, coach, make the call, and uh, you know, if it works, it would have been awesome. You know, and it, it didn't, so that's football. Yeah, I mean, you know, hats off to, to them. That's a good defense. You know, there, there were some shots today that uh, we just we didn't connect. You know, there were some other times where, um, you know, I might have missed some guys and, and those types of things. But uh, it, it's a good defense, and um, we really had to earn it today. And like, like you said, I mean, we, we just we, we didn't get any of those deep shots really really going today. Yeah, I mean, everyone's just got to do their job. You know, we know the guys that we have. Uh, we know the, the talent that we have and the ability we have um, in that locker room. And so uh, for us, it's just staying the course. You know, push, put this behind us. You know, it was a tough road game. We, we got beat straight up. We got beat today. But uh, we're excited for next week, and uh, we'll turn the page fast. Yeah, so when you look back at last year, probably the most of us have is the same. It was a little bit like that. You guys were able to rebound from the going from the loss like that. I mean, the the plan is to learn from this without doubt. I mean, you know, you never want to want to lose a game, but we're going to wa- watch the tape, you know, really thoroughly, and um, you know, everyone's going to take ownership and accountability of where they can improve, where they can get better. Um, and like I said, we're we're going to turn the page quick, and uh, you know, we're we're excited to go down there and, and face a good Dallas team. Yeah, we just miscommunication up front, and we didn't we didn't get it off. It's, it's a frustrating one, uh, something that we got to clean up for sure, and I got to do better. There were a lot of plays today, third, fourth, and short that was so close. Do you feel it was uh, like a, just a bunch of missed opportunities? Um, I mean, without a doubt, you know, like I said earlier, we got to stay on the field. You know, whether that's third downs, fourth downs, um, put ourselves in better situations on you know from second down, um, and so we just got to stay on the field and make better plays in those key uh, key situations. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a good good defensive scheme there. You know, they, they schemed us up, they got us there. Um, a frustrating one, tough one, but uh, you know, hats off to them. They they made a heck of a play. Is that a hard deal not to finish the game? It is what it is. You know, coach is going to make that decision, and uh, you know, I, I trust whatever whatever decision he makes. Carson's so close to your hometown. Uh, I'm sure he had a lot of friends and family. Anything special? Um, you know, it's cool knowing, you know, a lot of support out there, uh, friends and family, a lot of, you know, NDSU fans in the area. You know, I wish wish I could have given them a better show today and, and come out with a victory. But, uh, you know, it's, it's special being this close to home and, uh, you know, playing in front of, you know, a lot of people that I grew up knowing and, and caring about. Thank you, guys. 
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Balls that Stefan Diggs you said you need to look at the tape for, for those ones. What happened there? Why, why were there? Why were first one, first one, we were in cover four. Um, both safeties were, you know, obviously in cover four. Their 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 run support safeties they were low, and and Diggs was a good route. Just just ran ran past us, and then Kirk put the ball in a position where only uh, Diggs could make the play. So I mean that was a, that was a win for for them. Second one. Um, you know, Malcolm was was out of position. I know he made some comments about that after the game. He took took ownership on that, and uh, obviously we can't we can't do that. Uh, communication, you know, has to be imperative. It is imperative in the back end, uh, and um, they they caught us there again. So, but they had two receivers that were wide open on that play. So, was he which one's he responsible? For? Second one, the second one, he should have been back helping Razul um, on that one, and that's the one he got caught. You know, in the first one, first one, both guys were both safe. Both safeties were in run support, uh, and you know, just ran ran past us. Are you expecting Peters or Brad up to this time? Um, I'm expecting uh, to get a little more information today. Uh, we we're sending their information off. You know, they want second opinions, obviously, so we, we grant that uh, for them. Um, so I'm getting more information. Looks like it's a little more day to day with these two guys. Um, we'll see. You know, later today and. For sure on Wednesday. You don't want to you don't want to miss Jason, obviously, but he's struggled playing through full games. Is there anything to be said for continuity there? That if you know he's not going to be there, that you can get Andre snaps and reps and all of that. Yeah. Well, first of all, the one thing I love about JP is is how he fights through and battles through injury. I mean, that's that's first and foremost. He's a tough tough guy, and and uh, he's he's an anchor. Um, you know, with Andre, he, he gets a lot of practice reps, you know, during the week. And, and, and when he does get a chance to play, it's not like it's the first time. Now it's game speed, obviously, but but it's not the first time. He, he actually got the, you know, the reps in practice. So um, we'll have to see where Jason's at, you know, later in the week. Uh, but but Andre will be, you know, fully prepared, fully ready to go if, if we have to we have to go that route. How did Andre he had some. He had some good plays. He had some bad plays. Uh, quite honestly, um, he's going against first of all a, a great defensive end. Uh, Griffith is a is a tremendous D end, and a lot of respect for him and his game. And uh, there were times where Andre looked looked really good, and then there were times when when uh, you know he got a little off balance. Um, you know, we got to do some technique work with him still some more, and and just a young player in that atmosphere. But I thought I thought overall he he did some did some really good things. Doug, which players are you expecting back this week? Looking at it, um, we're gonna we're gonna incorporate uh, Jalen Mills a little bit this week in practice. We'll see where he's at by the end of the week, and then if he's capable, you know, maybe maybe there's an opportunity there. Uh, Darby, uh, we expect him to ramp his workload up a little bit and see where he's at. So, you know, those two guys would would obviously in in the back end, you know, as we're starting to get uh, to get healthy. Deshaun is is working. Um, He's still day to day. You know, we'll see again by the end of the week. You know where where he's at. Um, 
And then, as I mentioned with JP and Nigel, we got we got to see where they are. But but we're slowly starting to get some guys back that we can work into practice. Do you expect those, those three guys will practice? Do you expect Mills, Darby, and Deshaun? Mills, Darby, Deshaun probably won't practice Wednesday. But as far as his conditioning goes, we're going to continue to keep running him and and use use that as part of his uh, his rehab. Do you anticipate mixing it up with the corners once those guys are all healthy? Uh, Rasul, Sidney, Darby, and, and Jalen. Um, and kind of bring those guys slowly and mix the reps. What's the plan now? Well, yeah, I mean, you got to be careful with, with Jalen, number one. He hasn't played in a while. And so that's why the, the practice is so important this week for him. And, you know, um, he, I think you still have to have a plan. You know, if he obviously if he can't go 60 minutes, I, I don't think it would be smart on our part to, to put him out there for a full 60-minute game, you know, if he's ready to go. I think Darby, on the other hand, you probably could do that just because he's played and he's played this season. So probably two different guys, you know, so I would expect Darby maybe to play a little more uh, if he's healthy and ready than, than say, Jalen. Doug, what's keeping J.J. Arcega Wayside from playing ahead of Matt Collins? Uh, we're in a lot more Tiger personnel, 12 personnel. Doug, uh, there's, no, there's no reason why he can't be on the field more than Mac, who well, I think he has one catch in the last three games. Mac. Yeah, I mean, I, it, we've just been in a lot more 12 personnel. I mean, in, I mean, it's that's just what it is. But uh, to answer your question, I guess, yes, we could put him in there more. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the we could. Chart, it, there's still not a, there's not a depth chart in terms of Mac. There's a game plan. There's a yeah. game plan depth chart, so that's what we go off of, not necessarily what you see. But I understand the logic uh, behind deferring at the toss. But when you have been getting off to the slow starts that you have and falling behind, is there any thought to sure. switching that up a little bit? Yep. Any, uh, will, you know, will, will you switch it up? Will you switch it up? Any elaboration there? Uh, well, it was a yes or no question. Um, yeah, I mean, it's something I'm going to look at. And uh, I think it uh, might behoove us to uh, to make it, make a change, you know, and, and, and take the ball, put our offense out there. You know, and, and uh, try to try to generate points uh, early in the game, early in the game, and not not fall behind. Uh, I think that's all part of trying to start fast. Seeing that the lack of, of, of pass interference penalties that have, have been overturned as a staff, are you resigned to not even challenge those because there was a play yesterday that appeared questionable? That you uh, yeah, and listen, it's it's tough. It's hard. It's hard on the officials. I get it. I understand that. I've had a couple opportunities this year already to challenge some plays that didn't go in our favor. Um, timeouts are obviously precious and challenges are precious in this league and, and uh, you never know when you might need one. So, um, you know, uh, obviously if there's if there's something there and we think there's something there, we'll, we'll continue to challenge those. But, but uh, until that time, I'm going to probably keep that challenge flag in my pocket. This morning on the radio you said – um, we're going down to Dallas and our guys are going to be ready to play and we're going to win that football game. What from yesterday makes you confident that this team's going to be able to write the ship right? Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I, I, I'm, you watch the film and, you know, I also said that, you know, uh, people on the outside of this building think the sky is falling and, and everything is just crumbling. We're tied first place in the NFC East. We have a great opportunity against a great football team you know, on Sunday night to go down and, and, and attempt to win a football game. You know, our goals don't change. You try to go 1-0. and And you put the tape on this morning and you watch it, and and we're just we're, we're missing. We're just missing on a couple of little detail things. And, and obviously it starts with the coaches, starts with me. 
we got to make sure that there's great communication in the meetings and the walkthrough and, and how we practice and what we do in practice to make sure that we don't make these mistakes in game. You know, for instance, the, the coverage that we talked about, the blown coverage in, in the secondary or communication up front on run plays or pass protection, things of that nature. So there's, there's enough good and positive that came out of this game from that standpoint to get better. And, and, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to continue to improve. Um, Again, you know, Dallas is a great football team. They're, they, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're reeling like we are, and and they're they're going to come out and, and 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 play hard. They always have, and we, you know, they beat us twice last year. I mean, we've got a lot of things, you know, stacked against us going down there. But uh, you know, as the head football coach, I'm going to stand here and, and show confidence in my football team because that's what I have. I have confidence in my football team, the guys that are on the football field, and and it's our job as coaches to prepare them. Get them ready to play, and we go play. Did you guarantee a Never said that. Okay, I never said that. that never said guarantee a win. No, I'd never do that. So you, no. you told us attempt to win a game, and on the radio you said we're going to go down there and win a game. Do you regret just the way you phrased it, or no? Because I, again, it shows confidence in our football team, um, and, and I promise you, you know, Jason Garrett's going to say the same thing with with his team. They're going to win the football game as well, and you know. Um, I'm not going to stand up here and go or go on record and say we're going to go down there and try to win a game. You know, we're we're gonna, man. Hope, hopefully, we can go win this. You know, I mean, it just doesn't show confidence, and and I want to show confidence in our players. Um, we got a ton of confidence in them. Uh, we're going to put a good, you know, week of preparation in and 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 uh, and go play. To set the tone for the week and kind of send off a, a motivating message to your team on this Monday as you get ready for that Dallas game. How much, how much for your comments and effort to, to do that? Well, I mean, it's it's Monday, and and you know, um, you know, we're still we're still putting the final touches on on yesterday's game as a staff, and but but at the same time, I, I want the guys. I've got. I just they got to understand that that. You know, we've played six games, and and it, it, sure the season hasn't gone so far the way we'd like it. We've we've had opportunities in a couple of games to, to win those games, and it could be a different different outcome right now. But you know, I, I I I can say one thing to the players behind closed doors that I'm not going to say in front of you guys, right? Or or to the to the fans because and and, and I've got to and I've got to show that confidence, right? Because um, I believe in our guys, I totally do. And, and we're close. When I say we're close, we're close in a lot of areas. And, uh, you know, we are playing some young guys in some spots. Um, they're getting better every week. Um, and, and we're going to continue to work. And, and uh, you know, we're going to get better. After, like, Sydney and Rasul particularly had a you know, rough game at cornerback, do you worry at all about their confidence? Do you have to talk to them? Do you have to talk to them about – you know, just keeping their spirits up. And everything yeah, like we'll that. have conversations with them. I'll have conversations with them this week. And, and you know, we, we just – everybody's got to have short-term memory. Um, you know, you, you, you can't sit and, you know, um, yeah, sure, okay, you're, you're only as good as your last game. I got that. You know, that's, a, that's the cliche too. But you get a chance to go back and watch the tape, make corrections, and have conversations with your players and, and show confidence in them that, hey, listen, here, here's the mistake, here's the good and the bad. You know, fix the bad, keep working on the good, um, and and get better. You know, and that, that's what we got to do. I know you addressed address the uh, the fake field goal. The one thing I was wondering was um, if uh, if Dallas had caught it, stayed in bounds, what would Jake have had, had been expected to, to do? 
If if what now? If Dallas had caught it, but stayed. Oh, Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, if Dallas had caught it. Like, what would you take him? Well, if he would have caught it, and we caught it based on what we had seen on film and what we had seen the previous field goal attempt, he would have got he would have got the first down out of bounds. Yeah, but what if he didn't get out of bounds? What, what, the, you know, what was the backup for in case? I wasn't I wasn't planning on he was going out of bounds. I mean, it, the play was there to go out of bounds. As a follow to that, though. Then the offense is back on the field. Yeah, but like Jake would have had to if he did get out of bounds. Jake would have had to run up and spike the ball. Is that? I mean, you're assuming that's what would happen. You're assuming he would have gone out of bounds. That's right. As if right, but the ball, but the ball hit him hand with like four players around. It him. didn't work. Yeah. Bottom line, it didn't work. If, if, Great play by the Vikings. If, Enough. If the play worked as as designed, though, what yard line were you expecting to be at out of bounds, and how much time? We had what well, we were fourth and five, yeah. right? And we'd have been we'd have been we we're at the fifteen yard line, something like that, twenty yard line, somewhere in there. Expected how many shots? We had, we had 20 seconds left on the clock. We had probably two shots at the end zone before we kicked it again. So, so was that part of, it, of your calculation there? Completely, completely. You have plenty of time. That's a trigger situation for us, and you got at least two shots to the end zone. A couple more, please. It didn't work, by the way. In case you're wondering, the play didn't work. Okay. All right. Thank you. Hey, I'm glad we're talking about a fake field goal today. Not to belabor the, the slow starts, but this has been such a uh, continuing thread through the whole season. You had one game. I know I'm going to take the ball now in the first quarter from here on out. Yeah, you got that. But what have you arrived at? Is, is there something with your preparation that's not being done? Uh, it's extraordinary. I mean, so you're accusing me of not having my team prepared? Well, I, I'm asking you. Uh, what's Well, I know this. On the first third and two, if we uh, block it correctly, and, and we have an opportunity there to make a first down, stay on the field. Um, who knows what's going to happen. Defensively, um, there was a false start by the Vikings that wasn't called. I mean, those are things that are out of our control. Uh, we got caught with 10 on the field. That is in our control. So those are things that we can fix. Those are things that we can correct. Those are things that are keeping us from scoring points. Um, besides taking the ball to start the game. Those three runs that you started the game with, were those on script? And what did you see? That well, I think I mentioned after the game, the first one was actually a pass that was killed to a run based on the defense. So that was a – the third – the second play was a, was an RPO, which could have been a pass. And then the third one was a third and two, which was a run. So, so you, you that's what they were. Using, yeah. um, using Alshon a lot in the screen game, uh, what have you seen this season that's made you kind of go in that direction? Um, actually, based on his history with us and where he came from, uh, he's a really good screen guy. He's a big target. It's a way to get him the football. Um, he's you know he's physical down the field, and um, you know it was something we've actually had to play in the last couple of weeks. I don't think I used it the week before, uh, but used it in a couple of situations yesterday. Used Nelly in that situation. Um, to get him the ball and to get him, you know, get him uh, not only not only touches, but but uh, you know, it, to me, it's it's like getting six, seven, eight yards on first down if it's a run. You know, it's just it's an easy completion for the quarterback. P G N. 
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. 